everybody, and welcome to another episode of Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and today we have a treat for you. And I say that because uh, this is one of my favorite movies, uh, and I guess <laughs> I feel like if you got me up against a wall, uh, I'd say any movie is my favorite movies. I love movies! But uh, this is a special movie because it's one of my favorite Criterion movies, and this, in fact, is... Uh, our Criterion of the Month episode. I know I, I talked about that uh, a couple months ago now, but I don't know exactly if we've been doing a Criterion of the Month episode. Uh, I feel like we have, but it's been more of a let's just do an episode a week type thing, which is why uh, there wasn't an episode, I believe, last week. I, I did the two recordings in the one week uh, to give me some time because my uh, my family visited last week. But we are back in the thick of it, and we are talking about about Le Diabolique, which is a French film uh, with English subtitles. For those of you uh, worried, yes, there are subtitles. Sorry, I've got the Blu-ray here in my hands. This is one from my personal collection that is also available on HBO Max and on Amazon Prime Video. So no excuses for uh, not being able to see this, obviously, unless you don't have subscriptions to either of those things, in which case that's fine. Uh, You can just purchase it from Criterion's channel, uh, which is a quick PSA for that as well. They have never confirmed it, but uh, they have a 50% off sale every October and uh, February, March. So I would not be surprised if either next week or in the next few weeks, Criterion will announce their 50% off sale. Highly recommend jumping on that for a uh, few reasons. One, all the movies are 50% off, which puts them at about $20 a pop, uh, which may seem high, but trust me, when we get into this movie, you're going to see why the, that is such a good deal. Uh, not only that, but Criterion does have a rewards program that uh, you don't even have to do anything for. I mean, you, you put your account in, and essentially you spend X amount of dollars. I think it's if you spend... Ooh, it might be like $500. It's probably a lot less than that, but you get a, you get $50. You basically get like a $50 gift card. And uh, we're not going to go into too much detail in regards to how many of those gift cards I have received, save to say that I have a, a pretty large Criterion collection, and um, I do have to have monthly conversations with my wallet uh, just in preparation for these sales. Very much looking forward to the one coming. Uh, but Diabolique... This film uh, came out in 1955, and again, it was in France, directed by Henri George. Uh, I'd love to be able to pronounce that properly, but he goes by H.G. H.G. Clouseau, uh, spelled C-L-O-U-Z-O-T, uh, but Clouseau is a phenomenal director, and uh, that was something, one of those things where, you know, you, you see how there are secret connections between uh, certain films, uh, series, easy one to look at, Marvel Studios, you got your Easter eggs, all the films are connected, but more subtle ones, like the Universal Monster movies all being connected, and uh, in a sense, there's always that uh, exterior connection, I guess you could say, in films. For example, uh, Christopher Nolan. Uh, there's there's specific people like Michael Caine that he uses in almost all of his films. Certain directors have specific things like that that they uh, they like having in their movies. I think that's cool. It gives them a little bit of style. And so there's a, there's one interesting bit, and we'll start off with that, which is is the cast of this movie. 
So uh, for those of you uh, who have never seen this film before, uh, awesome, because when when you do see it, you're going to be so happy that you finally saw it, and uh, you're going to get to enjoy the twist ending, which is what makes this movie so famous. Uh, and I will say, if you haven't seen this movie, this is one of those instances where I would actually ask you to pause this and go see the film find it on one of those streaming services to watch because i am going to be going into spoilers for this movie but this is one of those movies that is famous for its spoilers much like alfred hitchcock films which we are going to be diving into in this episode so if you haven't seen this movie go see it uh if not proceed at your own risk you diaboliques which is french for devils so uh this film is just it's so good and uh even seeing it now when i I did last night with my wife and uh that would have been my second time viewing it and it was i almost enjoyed it more the second time though i just the twists and not knowing what's going to happen the first time you watch it is just unbeatable and it's it's surprising because when i watched this movie for the first time that was, again, during that stint that I had of watching all of the uh, top 250 movies on IMDb. This was one of them, and uh, I didn't really know what to expect, and at that time, that was back when Filmstruck was on Hulu, so all of the Criterion movies you could watch on Hulu. So I didn't I didn't own this movie, but I'll tell you this much. When the sale came around for Criterion, after I saw this first movie that I put in my cart, uh, but I actually watched it, and um, I apologize in advance to David Lynch, but I watched this uh, on my iPad in uh, in bed and uh, one night, long time ago. So it was not in a, in a classic movie-type setting, but that did not make it any less exciting. And I, I, I'm telling you, it almost made it worse, because worse in a scary way, because this movie is suspenseful, guys. This movie is very suspenseful now my wife didn't think it was as suspenseful as i did but um to me i I just i love getting lost in the movie and if you really let yourself get lost in this film the suspense is crazy especially if you're looking at it from sort of a cinema type perspective but uh, let's dive into the particulars of this movie so again it's directed by cluzo produced by him the screenplays by him along with a buddy named jerome though i'm sure it's not pronounced jerome uh, but it's based on a book called she who was no more by boilio and narsajak who are a dual team of crime writers in france back in the day and they were almost the equivalent of like an Agatha Christie or a Hercule Perot type book. Those whodunits. The the to me those are some of like the greatest books ever. I don't read them. I used to. Uh, I was really into Agatha Christie back when I was young. But it just to me those are the coolest books in the world because you you think about it like you see this movie and think. Oh, this was a book, and obviously, it's they they talk about how it's, it's different than the book. It's not like for like with the book, but when you read these crime books and watch these whodunit type movies that you know Alfred Hitchcock made so famous, you think to yourself like, how did somebody come up with that? Like, how do you how are you able to have so many twists and turns on this path that ends at the end of the movie and be you're good, or at the end of the book and like. For me, I just, I, I don't know if I could ever do that. Like, I 
I'm not that clever. Like you have to be so smart, whip smart to be able to, uh, you almost have to be a diabolique to be able to create something like that. And in this case, it's very possible because this is a, this is a dark tale. And, um, Again, we're, we're still getting into the particulars, and I, I'm just getting ahead of myself. So it stars uh, Simone Signore and Vera Cluzo, who is the wife of the director, along with uh, Paul Maurice and Charles Vanell. Uh, so a quick bit of bits on that, and this was something I learned today through some digging, the connections with Cluzo movies. So if you guys haven't seen it either... Two years, I believe, two years before Diabolique came out, Clouseau made his name. And I, I think in France, at least, he was already well-known. He had, had quite a bit of movies before that. He actually did movies, I think they said for, um, was it for the Germans? Uh, basically, he got blackballed for a while uh, be, during the war. Uh, and I imagine it was during World War II because uh, it was in the early 40s that he made some of those films. Um, but then he came back. And was back with a vengeance, and he came out with Wages of Fear, which is, again, two years before this movie. But Wages of Fear is also a Criterion film, also on HBO Max, and something I think we discussed in a long time ago podcast with my brother, Stevie, because uh, him and I had watched that, and that would have probably been last year. Um, incredible movie. And so in making Wages of Fear and Diabolique, uh, Clouseau kind of cemented himself as the ultimate top-tier suspense director. And this was at the exact same time that Hitchcock was uh, making his name as well in America and across the world as a suspense director. And and so their paths actually intersected. So um, Hitchcock had just... What movie was it that he just made? I mean, he'd done a bunch of movies at that time, and you know, you can, you, you, you all know the list. But he was actually going to make this movie. He passed at the last minute on *She Who Was No More* on on uh, optioning that book for a movie because Hitchcock was also a huge fan of Boilio and Narsajak. So um, he, because they were, you know, they were masters of suspense in writing those movies or those books. So he passed on it and then Cluzo jumped on it and was like, I can make this movie. And, uh, so there was, there was almost an animosity in a sense between them. And again, Cluzo, I found this out as I was watching the special feature. So again, shout out to Criterion for this film. And this is something that you would not be getting, I don't think, on HBO Max or Amazon. But there is a uh, there's selected scene commentary by a French film scholar named Kelly Conway. Awesome, totally awesome. Imagine it's it's literal, literally watching the audio commentary of like a movie, except the person who's doing the commentary is a film scholar. So they're literally like sitting in a film class. It was so cool to watch and get extra little bits of information. Some of those things that you're like, I think that's a theme or I think that's something going on. And then hearing her confirm it, it's like, yes, awesome. I know a little bit about movies. Uh, so there's that. There was a video introduction by Sergei Bromberg, who uh, was the co-director of H.G. Uh, Clouseau's Inferno. Uh, it's about 15 minutes long, which was really good. Again, just kind of going over the life of Clouseau. But what I really enjoyed on these special features was a video interview with 
with a novelist and film critic named Kim Newman, and he did such a good job of kind of telling that story about um, about Hitchcock and about Clouseau. And this is like this movie, and I hope I sound excited, but this movie, and and just watching it the way that I did for this podcast, this was the reason that I wanted to start a podcast. Obviously, my big my big start for podcasting was with comic books, but I I always knew I wanted to talk about film. But if you guys remember, you can probably go back to some of the early episodes. I always was like, man, I would love to just sit down. And watch a Criterion film, all of the special features, learn as much as I can about the movie, and then share that knowledge with others. And that is what I'm getting to do with this one. And that's awesome because some – I'll give it to Criterion most of the time, but some of their special features are lacking on some of their movies. And again, that's just the tricks of the trade because the older the movie, the less special features it's going to have. And uh, But this one, these special features are just so good. And again, a lot of those movies that I'd reviewed the last few months, those were Criterion films that I didn't own. Like Rashomon, I don't own that one yet. But uh, So I wasn't able to do the special features for it. And in this one, I was. And I'm so grateful for it. I really hope you guys enjoy some of these cool tidbits and just cool history in regards to film. Uh, so getting back to it, Alfred Hitchcock passed on this piece and instead uh and interestingly enough uh bnn uh boilio and narsajak they they actually wrote another book and surprise surprise but they wrote one with hitchcock in mind that hitchcock optioned and ended up being any guesses vertigo and so he kind of had vertigo going and clouseau had diabolique going but when diabolique came out it was like it was an explosion in a sense, in as big of an explosion it could be back in 1955. But uh, the the film was, eh, and I feel like it, and I'm just reading that based on some reviews that I've seen at the time of like, okay, you know, people weren't as big of fans of it at the time, but it has grown to become one of those, this is what you look at. Like you're wanting a movie about suspense, Diabolique is the movie for you. And, uh, there's just so many reasons why, and I'm I'm really excited. I'm clearly to to kind of dive into that. But interestingly enough, after this movie came out, Hitchcock saw that success, and uh, while it's unconfirmed his actual feelings, uh, he then made Psycho, which is also celebrating its uh, 60. Well, that's interesting. Okay, so Diabolique is actually celebrating its 65th anniversary this year so that's another reason why i wanted to talk about it so 65 years and uh, psycho this month actually is celebrating its 60 year anniversary so there was a couple of years excuse me of separation there but if you hear the historians talk about it hitchcock did a lot of things in psycho because of what cluzo did in diabolique so things like the bathroom scene in Psycho was a clear nod to Clouseau, but of Hitchcock saying, "You did, you did a bathroom scene. Why don't you see what happens when the like I do a bathroom scene?" And that's again kind of what Kim was talking about in uh, in his little uh, audio discussion in the on the Blu-ray. 
Uh, but just to me, it's so fascinating because I was trying to decide whether to do Psycho um, because I saw that a couple years ago. Love that film. But I, it's not like one that I, I talk about all the time, so I didn't know if I could really make a whole podcast on it. But it's just so funny that it ended up weaving itself into the history of Diabolique that I could talk about for hours. And um, so, th- so there's that, which is really cool. And just like Hitchcock, uh, Clouseau had a famous line at the end of this movie, and this is one of the reasons why I was telling you guys about spoilers, and this isn't a spoiler, but at the end of the movie, after it ends, it has a thing that pops up on the screen that says, don't tell your friends. Like, don't ruin the movie for them. Don't be diaboliques, is essentially what he said. He, he says, don't be, de- don't be devils. And, uh, but it's so funny in terms of the marketing strategy because Hitchcock did that for a couple of his movies and that kind of caught on in that time period of like, okay, if you've got a movie with suspense, with a twist ending, maybe you throw that in on the end and uh, really start getting uh, people to go to the theater. And that's kind of why. I mean, it worked. People wanted to see those movies. They were like, oh, you know, everyone's talking about it, but they won't reveal it. And I think it's funny too because that bleeds into our current day. You've got movies like Infinity War and Avengers Endgame, uh, Avengers Infinity War and Endgame, um, where they didn't blatantly say, they didn't have a thing in the movie that says, don't tell your friends about this movie, but you've got the whole Thanos demands your silence and don't spoil the Endgame, uh, exactly the same reason why, and it's because that buildup, that suspense buildup, it's a little different for the the Marvel movies, but there's still that buildup. So just just cool, really cool piece of history. So uh, moving on to the cast, uh, what what was really interesting in this movie is uh, Simone, or not Simone, I'm sorry, Vera, who uh, is the director's wife. So she actually starred in Wages of Fear as well. And she wasn't well-known, and she actually wasn't too well-known at the time. And it was more of a Clouseau um, being like, hey, I want to put my wife in this movie, which is fine, whatever, you can do that. But then in this movie, so he actually revised the, uh, the book. So this book is not exactly like the way the movie is. And he retooled it to where I think in the book, the main character was a man and he retooled it to where it was a woman. So that specifically, so that he could put his wife in the movie. To me, going a little far but uh in terms of nepotism but again hey it was the 50s he's french it seems like based on what i've been reading he's a little kooky he was a little um hard to work with so i could easily see him doing something like this and uh also interestingly enough simone signore she uh is the wife or was the wife at the time of Eves or I, Ives Montan, who is the main character from Wages of Fear. So Clouseau actually he worked with with Ives, and met his wife on set, and they became close friends. He was like, "Hey, I've got you know, I've got a role for you," sort of thing. But then again, as I was <laughs> listening to these commentaries, uh, things were not good on set. The one thing I remember reading was they said that they they signed the contract to do the set to do the work was promised at eight weeks, that they would be done in eight weeks. Uh, but the, the shooting actually took 16 weeks, twice as long, but they were only paid for the eight weeks. And they didn't know it because that was what was in the fine print. And so again, something of, of that nature, but really diving into a rabbit hole here. Um, Simone is married to Ives. 
gets her role because technically because she's married to him because she met Cluzo at that time. So both wives of prior stars in the prior film uh, are in there. Also, the detective in this movie uh, is also in Wages of Fear as well. Very cool. And there was one one other character I think they said who was also in Wages of Fear that I'm going to need to check on. But here's the even the rabbit hole we're going to go down. Ives Montan uh, actually had an affair with. Um, with Marilyn Monroe, and I, I was just thinking to myself uh, because again I, I'm pulling this all through Wikipedia, looking looking at at that. And uh, Ives Montan is from uh, Tuscany, Italy, and Marilyn Monroe was married to Joe DiMaggio as well, who is Italian. Uh, and if you look at their photos or at their um, uh, just their their cutout photos, their headshots. Uh, Joe DiMaggio and Ives Montan look identical. <laughs> they look exactly alike. So I was like, wow, okay, so Marilyn Monroe has a type. Very cool. But I didn't realize, again, then I started clicking on Marilyn Monroe. I didn't realize she was only married to Joe for a year, and then they got divorced, which is a super bummer. But, um, I mean, that's a whole nother, again, that's the rabbit hole for you. But we're going to dive back into the main, the main gist of this. So... Um, so along with that, after that, we've just got the story of the film. So like I said, uh, spoilers ahead of the way that this movie goes, but we're going to dive into it. So this film is about a, uh, a woman named uh, Christine, who is played again by Vera Clouseau, and it's her, she's a kind of the, a teacher at a boarding school. And her, along with Simone, who uh, is Nicole in the movie, they are all they are both teachers with a couple of other teachers. And then there's the headmaster, who is Michelle. Um, Michelle is the husband of Christine. Nicole is the mistress of Michelle. So Michelle is cheating on his wife with a mistress, both of whom are teachers at the school. They're both friends. And they both know it. They know of each other. Like they, she knows that he's uh, her mistress. All that stuff, which is crazy. And they talk about something that would not have been able to be portrayed in American cinema at the time it came out because of the the strict codes that America had. Obviously, you think about American values, and uh, that is something America probably wouldn't stand for. Interesting, very interesting, because in the movie too, they they act. It's it, that is not the point of the film nor is that the point of the motives behind the film so uh, these two are both living under the roof of a very very abusive man Uh, michelle is terrible and treats very horribly both of them though he specifically and especially hates his wife Uh, there's a scene where she's like um, he says all right yeah go ahead and leave go like go die because that's gonna that'll actually save me time and save me money because i'll just get your inheritance and i'll be fine i'll be totally fine he uh he's a terrible headmaster he's mean to the students he only uh brings in rotten food because it's cheaper he kind of says no to people who want more than one glass of wine at the dinner table it's absolutely insane there's even an overt scene or i guess it wouldn't be overt uh, probably more covert there's a scene where he takes his wife into this back room and she starts screaming which is you know obviously he's assaulting her in that scene uh so they they are not mincing words and actions in here to show that he is a very very bad person and so the the movie opens up with that 
and interestingly too opens up the first shot of this film is of this murky uh, gross pool that's in the front of the school and uh, this pool is very important because it comes into play at, um, at towards the end uh, end of the movie but basically you know when the things start happening so what we find out again is like okay so um uh simone's character nicole she is very uh stiff very commanding in a sense she's very curt and to the point very um you know everything is is in order whereas uh christine's character or christine vera's character she is a very small petite woman and she's also from brazil and they they point that out too in real life she's from brazil but she is just she has a weak heart and and wild enough she actually had that in real life so this is a um this is an instance i don't know if it's the exact same as chadwick boseman but she had a heart condition and she continued to work through that, knowing that she had it. And funny enough, um, she died five years after this movie came out of a heart attack. Uh, so in a sense, and we'll get to it at the end, but this movie was very indicative of where her life would go, which is just crazy. Um, but she's very paranoid, very nervous. Um, again, hates her situation. She uh, is very meek in that regard. She's afraid to stand up to her husband. Anything that she says, he'll slap her or something like that. It's just, it's bad. So they're both sitting out in the uh, in the schoolyard and they're talking and she's expl- uh, Nicole is it, the mistress is explaining to her like hey there's that we have a shot of doing this like that we have there is one shot that we have of getting rid of him and immediately at that point if you weren't hooked already immediately you're hooked you're like what the mistress and the wife are teaming up to kill the husband now this is interesting and so in the beginning, as expected, she is not into that. She's like, oh, I don't know. I'm too scared. Um, but then you start seeing, again, the actions piling one on top of the other. And it's like, you'd be a fool not to, especially if you've got the chance. And uh, they do. And so they take it. They drive off to Nyort, who, uh, which is a, a town that actually Cluzo was, was born in, I believe. He changed the town locations in, uh, from the book. And so they agree to it, and it's more of a like, okay, so how can we get – and I don't even know what, what it is initially that they're agreeing to because she's like, you know, oh, we only have one shot at this. And it was like, okay, well, so what, what exactly is that shot? So the next scene is her and uh, Nicole and Christine leave and drive to – I believe it's Nyart. Uh, it's a, French, a small French town. And that's where she has a house there, and she's renting, or an apartment kind of, and she's renting the upstairs to a old couple, and they honestly, like, I won't talk about them much, but they are so, so funny. They are hilarious, and especially for this current day, there's this whole bit where uh, she's, like, planning this whole thing so that obviously they'll be in the house. They know that they're there, so, like, that'll help with the alibi sort of thing, but she makes all these noises downstairs, and the guy, uh, the old man is trying to listen to almost a sort of, excuse me, a sort of French who wants to be a a millionaire, and he's, like, answering the questions, and it just, it really is too funny. Um, very accurate depiction of how uh, apartment complex people are towards each other, or I guess you could say landlord and uh, tenants are towards each other, because um, he gets so pissed at her. And then when he sees her, he's like, "Oh, you! It's so happy you could come see us! Like, oh, we're so grateful to be here with you." And then it's like, "All right, see ya." But so they get there, 
and um, they lure Michelle to the place. And, and again, they don't know, doesn't really know, I don't think, that Nicole is there, or she's at least not in the room. But she, uh, Christine calls him, and it's like, hey, I want a divorce. And he's like, what? Because she talks about earlier in the movie, like, I can't do a divorce, it's against my religion, all that sort of stuff. But she can't take it anymore. So um, she, he's like, I'm coming your way. And it's like, well, perfect, right in our hands. So um, they get there, and there's this, again, there's a lot of dark humor in this movie as well that I think Clouseau really kind of capitalizes on. There's a bit where they, they basically put a sedative in uh, alcohol. And she's got this alcohol on the table, and he goes to try and drink it. And she's like, no, wait, wait, don't. And it's like, why? Like, oh, man, like she's having second thoughts. And then he, she, like, goes to try and stop him from drinking it and accidentally spills the drink on his shirt. And he's like, are you kidding me? Like, I have to, now I have to get this shirt cleaned? Go get a towel and clean this up. And as she's walking away, she, like, brings the towel back, and he slaps her, like, three times. Bam, bam, bam. And she's like, and and he he then goes to take his drink. She doesn't stop him, and she's got this look in her eyes. And he sets the drink, uh, the cup back down on the table, and she fills the cup up with more alcohol. And it just and like looks at him in such a way, and you're just like, it, the the expressions tell such a great story, which is funny, because again, behind the scenes, uh, the cast did not like that Vera Clouseau was the lead in this from being a relative unknown and made a lot of complaints about how she is not a good actress, that sort of stuff. Uh, and you can kind of see it, but for this role, she is perfect for it. So he drinks this sedative, kind of passes out, and they drown him in the bathtub. And uh, they brought with them this giant wicker box, kind of, um, I don't know what you would want to call it. It's just a giant giant square and made of wicker wood they put his body in there and then they drive back to the school and dump his body in that pool that's in the front of the school and i'm you know we're wondering like why are they doing this and the body goes right down to the bottom but the trick is they then leave it alone and so the plan is somebody at the school one of the kids another instructor someone is going to discover that body and then it will be assumed that he died by accident because he left the school to go to them without telling anybody. He basically snuck off because he did not want, does not want anyone to know, um, anyone to know about the quote unquote divorce. Like he, he very, you know, I, very much about appearances. So he snuck out. So no one knows that he left or where he is. So it would have been very plausible for him to just show up dead in the pool. And, uh, but everything, everything's going fine, I guess. Obviously, uh, Christine is very, very nervous. She's freaking out. Um, but then the body doesn't come up to the surface. And a couple of days go by, and it's like, what? And so they get to the point of where it was like, okay, we need to drain the pool. And they find a couple of good excuses to do this to where they don't exactly – they're not revealing anything yet. But they drain the pool, and there isn't a body in the pool. And you're thinking – oh no like what happened this is crazy and i mean even at that point you're probably going so he's not dead he can't this is, doesn't make sense so you know everyone is on edge at this point well i mean every, by everyone i mean christine and she sees in the paper that the police have found a corpse 
um, that fits the description of her husband. So she goes down to the morgue and she's like, hey, you know, I'm super nervous, uh, but I, I think this might be my husband. But she goes there and it's not actually his body. But when she's there, a retired police officer named Alfred, um, who works as a private detective now, becomes involved and is like, I can find your husband for you. And she's like, oh my God, no, like, no, 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 it's fine. Everything's fine. I don't need your help. And he's like, no, please. I mean, like, what's the worst that could happen? If I find him, great. And if not, you don't have to pay me. And it's like in a perfect world, yeah, man, like you came here right at the right time, but not for Christine. And so they, when they get back to the school, and they basically arrive back to the school. A boy, one of the students, is being punished for breaking a window with his slingshot. And they're like, well, who like, you know, who took your slingshot from you? And, and blah, 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 blah. And he says, it was Michelle. It was, you know, Headmaster Michelle did it. And they're like, that's not possible. And Christine's like, oh, no. And again, during this time, and, and uh, Vera, whether, whether she's acting or not, is doing a really good job of showing that her heart condition is starting to get worse. Which again, they make part they make points of it in random spots in the movie of like she has a heart condition, and you can tell this stuff is freaking her out as it would freak out anybody. And so she gets very upset. There's a and at that point the school is about to take a photograph, like a school photograph, and she can't even be there for it. She's like, no, I can't do this. Uh, but when the photograph is taken and printed in the window in the school is a shadow of Headmaster Michelle. And oh my God, it is freaky. Uh, again, when you're watching it, you know, this is 65 years old. It isn't the scariest thing in the world, guys. This isn't like paranormal activity. But still, in the context of this movie and time period, it's spooky. It's scary. And so um, she just is, uh, she freaks and she leaves, and um, at that point, she kind of just, uh, again, she freaks out and leaves, and, uh, or no, that, I apologize, that's Nicole, Nicole leaves, and she's talking um, to Christine, who by this time is bedridden, so she has had doctors come to the school to meet with her, like, hey, you are giving your heart a run for its money, this is making you, you're gonna, you need to not leave your bed, and Nicole comes in at one point and she's like, I'm freaking out too. And Christine's like, you need to leave, Christina. And she's like, you need to leave. And she's like, oh no, I don't know about that. Like, you know, we're in this together. She's like, trust me, this is not going to end well for me. Like I'm either going to die because she's in the bed or, you know, I'm going to get caught and I'll, I'll deal with that. You're young and they're both basically the same age, but she's, she's just like, get out of here. And Nicole's like, okay, thank you. Like I'm going to leave. And so at this point, the detective comes in and he's like, hey, you, you know, you were right. Things are kind of weird with this case and I don't know really what's going on. And he's kind of getting close and Christina freaks out and tells him everything, but he doesn't believe her. And that's, it's like, oh, of course, right? Like you, you didn't believe the woman you should have in this case. I'm glad he didn't. But at that point, he, he goes to investigate the pool. Like he's like, you know, maybe there's a grain of truth in there. And so he goes to investigate. That night, she starts hearing noises and wanders around the school. And she starts thinking, someone's following me. Like, oh, and the shots in this are so good. 
Clouseau does such a good job throughout this movie of really capturing the uh, kind of claustrophobia inside of the school, but also this amazing depth work that he does with the cameras. Uh, and obviously that's part part of the cinematography as well as well but there's just a ton of scenes where you're either following someone down a hallway uh, in front of them or or following behind them and this is one of those cases the shadows are so contrasting this is it it reminded me a lot of dracula and other scary movies like those universal movies where they're in black and white but the blacks are so dark and they like you're in a shadow and you can't see anything and she's walking down the hallway, and at the same time, we are seeing bits of a shadowed figure walking around. And at this point, it's like, it's got to be him. It's got to be him. And uh, she she freaks out. She freaks out while she's in the hallway, and because doors are creaking open. Um, it's it's a frightening. Again, it's 1965. Take take or 55. Take that with what you will. I think it's frightening. I get spooked easily, and I like that. I like getting scared. And, uh, <clears throat> so she runs back into her room, run back, runs back into the bathroom and she, um, she puts her, she turns on the sink and puts a hand in the water, puts some water on her head. My wife commented on that and she goes, she's only going to do it once. She only does it once. And she's, <laughs> she's like, I know a thing or two about freaking out. I don't know if you would want to put just one dose of water on your head. You may need to do more than that. She turns around and the bathtub in her bathroom is filled to the brim with water and in the bathtub is her husband submerged in the water oh my god he slowly starts moving out of the water ever so slowly and we start getting uh edit shots back and forth of him slowly rising and her slowly having a heart attack going oh as she he's like stands up and then he throughout the film it was gross his eyes were in the back of his head and the reason for that was because he's actually wearing uh fake contacts and he slowly takes each of them out and she's literally on the floor now on her side heaving uh, uh, and dies literally dies and then he walks out into the bedroom and you hear a voice in the hallway. She gone. Nicole walks in. They set her up from the beginning. They planned it to get rid of her so that, because again, and I didn't really talk about it, but she is the reason that they have the school. Her family was incredibly rich and this was her dowry. And the husband talks about how this was your choice, that you know, you know, we could be doing so much more, yet you wanted a school. So clearly that was the motive behind this and to collect obviously the insurance money. And they're talking about that, kind of explaining and giving some hints as to prior scenes in the movie for um so you're like oh that's why that happened and that and that and that and they're like all right we're good to go and then you hear uh in classic columbo fashion now just one more question and all of a sudden alfred comes in and essentially is like i was in the hallway too i heard everything and they say um i can't i think they say something like i can't believe we got away with it and he says, more like 15 to 20 years, depending on your lawyer. And then th- then it goes black, and it's like, oh, no, they got caught. And so, and you think the movie ends, but we get left with a very, very cryptic ending. 
Uh, sometime later, the school is going back to normal. That same kid who broke the window earlier and was saying, I saw the headmaster and he got punished for it. Um, they were like, you know, he's not here. You can't lie like this. But he breaks another window. Oh, but he has his slingshot now that was taken from him. And they're like, how did you get your slingshot back? And he says, uh, Christina gave it to me. And they're like, that's impossible. And he's, he's like, I know what I saw. And then that's the end of the movie. And then a title screen comes out saying, listen here, you di- you devils, you diaboliques. Uh, do not reveal this ending to anybody. Uh, and honestly, guys, like I said, the second time watching this movie was so nice uh, in regards to knowing what was going to happen. So I got to see like, okay, this is how they pulled this off. Okay, but that first time, I had no idea. Like I was honestly, I was into this movie because again, when's the last time you've seen a movie uh, where the mistress and wife both plan together to kill the husband? That's not something that you see, nor would it even be something supported in American cinema because of of that being such a taboo, uh, like that they could even be friends. And I'm not supporting it one way or another. I'm just talking about the way that, you know, film has kind of turned over the years. So as I'm watching this, I'm hooked and i'm all for because this guy is terrible he's a dirtbag he is literally a diabolique and uh so i was happy with all of that and i'm like awesome clean kill they got away with it like this is great and so we start getting to that end where we don't know what's going on and i was losing my mind i'm like okay he has to be alive like that makes total sense it has to be that but the way that they show it and the way that they reveal that nicole was involved that's what got me and made me go holy cow this is a good movie you don't get that a lot anymore you don't get those movies where there's a huge twist at the end that no one saw coming and again if you're here and you haven't seen the movie and i spoiled it for you um i already warned you so i can't apologize but it just it's so rare to have that sort of stuff because of people uh i'd say people like me but i'm i'm not you know posting a review the day after the movie comes out spoiling this movie we live in a culture that is so obsessed with knowing everything now because we have everything at the tips of our fingers and we've gotten to this terrible intersection where knowing everything has also been met with needing others to validate that we know everything and uh, also at a I guess this is a four-way intersection between that and then also media and um, getting clicks for things so of course when a a big movie with a huge twist ending comes out uh, 17 different uh, movie sites are going to post the spoiler uh, immediately with you know oh this is the spoiler as the title back in the day if you guys remember that used to be the thing to do was to put the spoiler in the title of your headline so that when it was reported you couldn't you didn't even have to read the article to get spoiled by it and then eventually people stopped doing that but what's worse that I've noticed and people have been getting away with is well while I don't have this uh, spoiler in the title the um, the cover or the the photo is what um, is what's going to give it away and, and the, the most perfect example of this is I believe it's bleeding cool dot uh, com it's either bleeding cool or games radar uh, whatever whichever of those two it, it in regards to the most recent Thor um, 
series that Donnie Cates is doing along with Nick Klein. Uh, really big series that ended up uh, being a lot bigger than people anticipated, which I did anticipate because it's Donnie Cates. He always goes big uh, to the point where every single one of his issues got some sort of coverage. Oh my goodness, this is the first appearance of this new villain. Holy cow, Donnie did this in this issue. And so in one of the issues, the title of the article was Thor just killed this um, Marvel, um, like massive Marvel villain. And uh, again, that's the that's the title to get you to click on the link, right? Uh, but again, anybody reading Thor would know who that is because there is only one person that he's kind of with in that series. Uh, but worse than that, the photo was of the person that it was that he kills. So it completely spoiled it for me without them even having to say it because I knew it. I knew that's what it was. So gone are the times of truly being spoiler free of things because we are so interested in getting those clicks and sharing that knowledge of I was the first person to see that movie I know the spoiler I'm going to tell everybody about it um gone are the days of of having that and again even gone recently because like I said we had movies like uh Infinity War and Endgame where we had an actual kind of campaign from the studio saying don't spoil this movie and you saw it people didn't at least I don't think they did. I'm sure some people did, but the big the big people didn't. The and they did a great job of that. And we need more of that because films like this, like Diabolique, they are meant to be experienced and they are meant to be watched like this. To feel those twists and see cinema just writhing in front of you on the screen, uh, it's it's truly phenomenal. So um, that is uh, Le Diabolique, which again one of my faves, classic Criterion movie. And happy 65th anniversary to Diabolique. So with that, we will wrap up this episode. My name is Alex Klein, and this is Comics and Cinema. Uh, We are now available on tons of different podcast catchers. Uh, I don't know if that's what they're called, but uh, I have just gotten us on uh, Amazon Music. So if you listen to that or are in that, uh, the podcast is available there. Uh, got us hooked up on, we're on iTunes, SoundCloud, and I, oh, uh, SoundCloud, no, no, no. Um, well, yeah, obviously this is SoundCloud. That's my hosting site, but no, 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 Spotify. I'm sorry, Spotify. So we're on Spotify now too, uh, which is great. And you guys can find me on Twitter at a robots wink or Instagram at a robots wink. So thank you so much for listening. I hope this was educational for you guys. I hope you enjoyed it. Let me know if you did. Uh, let me know if you didn't, but one way or another, I'll see you at the movies. Thank you.